It may be just seven days since you heard me preach, but it's actually been five weeks since I stood here and delivered a sermon. Uh, That's because the last four weeks' sermons were all recorded before my month-long vacation. And what a trip it was. Much of it was unplanned and most unpredictable. And there are many stories that I will share over the next few weeks. It was made longer and more interesting by our strong desire to respect Governor Murphy's quarantine rules. So we spent the first two weeks in COVID-hot Texas and California, but the last two weeks snaking the most awkward route through Colorado, Wyoming, South Dakota, the upper and lower peninsulas of Michigan and Pennsylvania, being careful to only eat and sleep in states that would not require us to quarantine when we got back to Jersey. We used a lot of gas, but not a drop was wasted as we drank in the sights, sounds and feelings of this vast and varied land. We saw the Mexican border and the Canadian one. We arrived in Southern California on the day when Death Valley recorded the hottest temperature anywhere on the planet since 1931. And we survived gale-force winds on Lake Huron as our ferry was thrown from Mackinac Island to mainland Michigan. As Gordon Lightfoot sang about the Great Lakes, Superior, it said, never gives up her dead when the winds of November come early. The contents of my stomach also survived, which was looking unlikely for most of the crossing. We met legions of people, wonderful people, interesting people, some perplexing people, and even a few challenging people. And it's the challenging people that are on my mind this morning as I ponder Paul's words in Romans 14 that we just read. I'm thinking of you, large motorcyclist in Virginia, who's parked Harley-Davidson, our car door, ever so gently touched as I was getting out of the car. I'm thinking of you, border patrol officer in New Mexico, who stopped us about 50 miles inside the US border, and on hearing my accent, angrily and sarcastically presumed I was not a US citizen, an error I happily disabused you of. And I'm thinking of you, a shop owner in Colorado, who, although your door was plastered with signs requiring customers to be masked, did not yourself deem it necessary to wear one when serving us. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or sister? Or why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then, each of us will be accountable to God. 
Because that's the thing about human existence. It would be so much easier if we didn't have to encounter people who wind us up or tear us down. The Christian life would be a piece of cake if we only interacted with folks we liked, respected and agreed with. They knew all about these challenges in Rome. The Roman Christians Paul was writing to were finding it hard to live with each other. There was a lot of judging going on. Now there's a kind of judging that is perfectly okay and indeed necessary. Murder is wrong and murderers should stop doing it. Stealing, lying, cheating, hate, prejudice, all these are bad and people shouldn't do them. Not exactly controversial and neither does it do any harm to say these things. But what the Christians in Rome were doing was not this kind of judging. No, their focus was not on the core values of Christianity like love, peace, compassion, integrity, but on things that are less important. They were sweating the small stuff. In particular, what people eat and what they regard as the Sabbath. Some Christians who had come to Christ from the Jewish faith observed Saturday as the Sabbath. And they also felt it was important to observe the dietary laws in the Old Testament, uh, the kosher laws. But within the same church, there were people who had become Christians but were not Jews. So for them, the kosher laws were never a feature of their lives and they didn't see why they should become so now they were followers of Christ. And fights began. You must observe the Sabbath on the seventh day. No, you must observe the Sabbath on the first day. You have to refrain from eating pork. No, you can eat everything because God has made it all clean. Had Paul been writing at a different time, he may have rebuked them for fighting over whether women have to cover their heads in church, whether there should be music in worship or just plain song, whether clergy could be married or not, or any other number of issues that at the time were divisive and controversial, but now we see are not worthy of dividing the church over. O oh, church, pleads Paul, don't sweat the small stuff. Welcome those who are weak in faith, but not for the purpose of quarrelling over opinions. Some believe in eating anything, while the weak eat only vegetables. Those who eat must not despise those who abstain, and those who abstain must not pass judgment on those who eat, for God has welcomed them. Who are you to pass judgment on servants of another? It is before their own Lord that they stand or fall. Some judge one day to be better than another, while others judge all days to be alike. Let all be fully convinced in their own minds. Those who eat, 
eat in honour of the Lord, while those who abstain, abstain in honour of the Lord. Paul says to the meat-eaters, don't vex the vegans. And he says to the vegetarians, don't criticise the carnivores. Quarrelling over opinions. Now there's a word from the Lord for faithful Christians in 2020 in the United States. Are you sick of it yet? The quarrelling over opinions. One of the greatest blessings of Galen's and my road trip was that I didn't watch any cable news channels for a month. And it was blissful. I felt so much more peaceful, calm, having things in perspective, focusing not on the small stuff. Here's a challenge for you. Uh, this is not the word of the Lord. This is the word of, well, me. Uh, so you can take it or leave it. Do your emotions a favour and limit cable news and partisan websites for the next seven weeks. You are not going to miss anything that would alter your opinions. Nothing will slip past your attention that would have made you change your voting intention if you had been aware of it. All you'll miss is quarrelling over opinions. And dare I include Facebook too. I learned a long time ago that the world is not waiting breathlessly to read what I think. No one ever read a political Facebook post and said, Wow, I've never thought of it like that before. This changes everything. The only outcomes from making or even reading political Facebook posts is we feel more certain of our rightness, less tolerant of those who disagree, and more convinced that people who hold opposing views are evil. And in the church, we must have none of that. Because of political posts on Facebook, Friends stop being friends. Churches divide. Even members of families stop talking to each other permanently. The whole point of Facebook is to share videos of puppies and baby goats wearing pyjamas. Of course, that's all tongue-in-cheek. You don't need me to tell you what is healthy and helpful for you. You can decide that yourself. I'm simply overstating things in order to make a solid point. Don't sweat the small stuff. Don't quarrel over opinions, in the words of Paul. This week I read the words of a Christian minister in the Midwest. I'll keep his name and denomination anonymous who said that anyone who supported a particular political party could not be a member of the denomination he serves, and such members should repent. And I thought about this passage in Romans. Don't judge each other on the small stuff. Don't quarrel over opinions. 
I also wondered which would be the larger number, those who left that political party as a result of his statement, or those who left his denomination as a result of his statement. Paul identifies two groups of people in the Roman church, weak members and strong members. The weak sail small boats. They are neat, tidy, sturdy. They have been built according to all the proper specifications and are maintained meticulously. This small, solid boat will last the weak Christian's devotion, even obsession with rules and regulations, will ensure that. No potential lawbreaker will be allowed onto the boat. Spontaneity, creativity, diversity of thought are not welcome on the small boat for fear that things will create chaos. The strong Christians, however, says Paul, have, if you like, a big boat. It's not as sturdy and is certainly less tidy than the other boat. In fact, it can get downright messy. With so many people in the boat, everyone has their own ideas about this and that and the other thing. There are a few rules protecting the core values that keep this boat together, like love and joy that embrace the chaos and the welcome difference, but they don't sweat the small stuff. Which boat do you occupy? The boat of sweating the small stuff on a voyage of purity tests and total correctness, or do you sail in the slightly rickety, often uncomfortable, but always joyful party boat? The boat held together by love and mutual affection, humility, honouring the other and focusing only on the big stuff, our creeds and our desire to follow one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I don't know whether the biker in Virginia or the border patrol officer in New Mexico or the shopkeeper in Colorado are Christians or not, but if they are, Paul's word to me is clear. Don't allow your cultural differences with these brothers and sister lead you into passing judgment on them. Who are you? to judge the servant of another. It is before their own Lord that they will stand or fall. And if they're not Christians, well, Paul would tell me, love them despite your cultural differences because by showing them God's love, you may influence them for Christ. May God help us all not to sweat the small stuff but to join the big rickety boat and enjoy the voyage. Amen.